Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. So back. The long march through the institutions has come to a grinding halt. Elon Musk is finally about to take over Twitter, and all the right people are losing their sh. Regime apparatchiks are hysterically insisting that Musk's Twitter takeover represents a threat to democracy. Yeah, a threat to their ability to rig the game more like. The same people crying over threats to democracy. Literally banned the elected leader of the free world from the de facto public square. They're the real threat to democracy. The same people crying over threats to democracy. Lobbied for Twitter to censor a perfectly legitimate news story. Weeks before a presidential election because it embarrassed their preferred candidate. They're the real threat to democracy. But what about all the misinformation? Oh, you mean like all the pandemic misinformation that embarrassed Fauci and his friends, yet later all turned out to be completely true? Misinformation looks awfully similar to perfectly legitimate information that makes them look bad, doesn't it? For those of you asking, yes, I do think this site can and will change pretty dramatically if Musk gets full control over it. No, there is no immediate replacement. If it gets done early enough based on the people he's aligned with, yes, it could actually actually affect midterms. Oh no, people might actually have access to a level playing field of information. The absolute horror. He can elevate any idea or person he wants through recommendations and UX choices and there will be no oversight on this as a private company. What, you mean like all you libs already do. It's okay when we do it. They're also worried Musk will use Twitter to de-platform his political adversaries. But wait, you told me de-platforming was a good thing. Only when we do it. But Twitter's a private company. It can do what it likes. Only when we control it. Liberals are petrified Musk will stop censoring their adversaries. That's all there is to it. After publicly vowing to do so after Trump's 2016 win, the left has weaponized Twitter, manipulated its algorithms, and vastly expanded its censorship policies. Banning Conservatives for acknowledging basic biological gender reality, while rushing to the defence of literal networks of nonces and groomers, allowing armies of hate mobs to digitally assassinate, cancel and dox dissidents, while claiming their censorship policies are just about stopping hate. Rumour has it Elon Musk will impose only three rules. No spam or scams, no threatening violence, and no porn. Ooh, have that, degenerates. Get back behind your OnlyFans paywall and stay there, filth. What else will change? Well, we can get a sense of that from Musk's Twitter-linked text messages publicly released as part of the Twitter lawsuit legal disclosure. Twitter could be rolled into X, the app for everything. X will be the super app, the app for payments, the app for food orders, the app for private messaging. Banning someone on the X app should be as difficult as stripping them of their citizenship, thereby making banning someone from Twitter itself near impossible. At the urging of his ex-wife, Tallulah Riley, Elon is going to make Twitter radically pro-free speech or destroy it. Based. He's going to try to break up the leftist cabals within Twitter that bypass the board to ban people. He's going to make the algorithm open source to eliminate shadow banning and algorithmic censorship of topics and trends. The perpetually offended would be able to choose their own sanitized algorithm that doesn't hurt their fifis. He's going to make Twitter's backbone a decentralized open source protocol not dependent on advertisers. Meaning leftist hate mobs can't put undue pressure on advertisers as a backdoor for censorship. He's going to appoint a Blake Masters type to run Twitter. Blake Masters is Peter Thiel's protege who describes himself as an America first conservative based. And he's going to reinstate the accounts of conservatives who are unfairly banned. Will he get all this done? 
Big ask, but that's the intention. There, of course, remains the ultimate question. Is the big guy himself coming back? Smokes, man. Trump has said more than once that he'll never return to Twitter, but do you really believe that? The biggest ego on the planet refusing to accept one of the biggest comeback victories of all time. Of course he's coming back. Make America great again, more like make Twitter fun again. Remember that era? Remember when politics was fun? Those were the days. How will the empire strike back? I guarantee you this is what they'll do next. Millions of users will now flood Twitter. Some of them real, but many of them bots. Posting the most obscene sh- imaginable. Some of it will make 4chan look like family-friendly content. The regime will then contrive a new moral panic surrounding hateful speech. And they'll pressure Musk to agree to relinquishing total control over moderation. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. You're watching us on band.video, infowars.com. However you're joining us, good morning to you. Hope you're doing well. Big show for you today. Tons of videos that I want to get to. Sort of like, sort of like always, kind of like every day. We have so many videos to play, but I I uh, really am going to try to get to a lot of these, including Kanye on Tucker Carlson yesterday, Bill Gates admitting, almost letting slip that he was the one that wrote the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, we'll show you that clip a little bit later, as well as some information about some of the big institutions in England who have been behind this push for transgender children the entire time and the dirty secrets that have been exposed now that it's been shut down. We'll get to all of those videos. We'll be taking your phone calls throughout the show. We'll open up the phone lines nice and early and spend three hours hearing from you, the American people. So let's not waste any more time. Get right into it. Here it is, your Daily Dispatch. All right, here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Friday, the 7th of October, 2022. Kanye tells Tucker Carlson that his Trump support threatened his life and career. Rapper Kanye West opened up about his controversial White Lives Matter shirt at, a, at Paris Fashion Week, his support for President Trump and more when he went on Tucker Carlson's program yesterday, supporting a full-fledged beard and saying some hilarious stuff. Sporting a beard, a black hoodie, and a cap emblazoned with 2023 and a lanyard with an ultrasound of a fetus, West told uh, Carlson that he found the divisive White Lives Matter shirt entertaining. Quote, I thought the shirt was a funny shirt. He said, I thought the idea of me wearing it was funny, (laughs) which is a hilarious way to put it. But it is pretty telling of where we are in our culture where wearing a shirt that says White Lives Matter is considered highly controversial and stirred up quite a bit of hatred from the left wing. Do they not? Do they? Do white lives not matter? Okay. All right. We won't get into it. We actually will get deeply into it. We're going to play lots of clips from uh, the conversation between Kanye and Tucker later in the program. Meanwhile, from Peter Sweden's Substack, Dutch state could force buyouts of 600 farmers within a year to meet climate goals. That's a, it's a page straight out of Mao's Little Red Book. 
You might have heard about the massive farmer protests happening in the Netherlands. Tens of thousands of farmers have taken to the streets to oppose new government climate goals that will force thousands of farmers out of business. Farmers even sprayed manure at a local town hall. Despite all these protests, they are now talking about state-forced buyouts of 500 to 600 farms as early as within next year. In other words, the state could be forcing farmers to sell their land to the state. This is insane. And of course it is. This, of course, is all intertwined in everything that we've talked about forever, Agenda 2030, the 2030 goals from the World Economic Forum. Climate communism is a pretty good label for it. But again, it's like when you look back in history and you see you know, times of, of great change, especially negative change, like when kids in the Netherlands look back and go, what happened to all of our farms? What was the event that took place that so drastically changed our culture and, and you know, ruined the lives that our people have been living for thousands of years. What was the change? And the answer will be, quote, government climate goals. That's what it, it's their goals. It wasn't a meteor. It wasn't a war. It was people in power having goals and wanting to achieve those goals, climate goals. And so you're just, you're destroying 500 to 600 farms for your goals, your climate goals. I mean, it's just it's it's completely insane that this is just this is just happening. They're just doing it. Doesn't matter. You know, there's no democracy. There's no will of the people. They're just doing it. Another thing, they're they're just doing. I mean, it's just these are just the choices these people are making. Biden warns. Risk of nuclear Armageddon is highest since Cuban Missile Crisis. President Joe Biden said Thursday that the risk of nuclear Armageddon is the highest it's been in 60 years after Russian President Vladimir Putin renewed his threats as his military retreats in Ukraine. In remarks at a reception for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, Biden said it was the first time since 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis that there's been a direct threat of nuclear weapons being used. If, in fact, things continue down the path they're going, he said, slamming on the accelerator. Again, they have gotten into they have gotten us into this mess. They are responsible for pushing things to the brink in the way that they are. And now it's not just Biden, but we actually have video that will show you probably in the next segment of Zelensky saying that the best thing to do now would be a preemptive strike. You know, now that we have this threat, the looming thundercloud, the looming flood of you know biblical proportions that is nuclear war. His solution to this, top runner for the Nobel Peace Prize, by the way, Zelensky's uh, solution is to start the nuclear war. You know, there's danger of a nuclear war, so what we should do is kickstart it. What we should do is launch the first missile. I'm not kidding. I'll show you the video on the other side. Meanwhile, here in America, federal agency chargeable tax and gun purchase case against Hunter Biden. Yeah, that's what we're worried about. He didn't pay his taxes. I don't know. I think the human trafficking might be a little bit more of a concern, but that's just me. I mean, maybe the making billion-dollar deals with Chinese Communist Party, that might be of interest to justice in this country. Maybe, and I'm just spitballing here, the millions upon millions of dollars earned from corrupt Ukrainian gas companies that he was helping to facilitate – Relationships with the 
at the time Vice President Joe Biden in the run-up to the war that now threatens to break out into nuclear catastrophe. I think maybe some of that would be of interest, but no, I mean, I guess he, he did his taxes wrong, so so that's what they're going with. <laughs> and there are a couple different theories about this. Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump appointee, must decide whether to charge the son of the current president. Federal agents investigating President Biden's son, Hunter, have gathered what they believe is sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase. According to people familiar with the case, the next step is for the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, a Trump administration holdover, to decide whether to file such charges, these people said. Mark Levin thinks that this is a tit-for-tat. Basically, they're going to charge Hunter so they can appear non-biased when they go after Trump. They can point to Hunter and go, well, we charged Hunter, and now we're charging Trump. We're not targeting one specific group. It's We're charging everybody, which, yeah, that's probably going into their calculus, I'm sure. I think the more likely you know, reason behind this is that they're covering up for the crimes of Joe Biden. I think they don't want the president of the United States to go down for this, and so they might – you know, stick his son with a couple minor misdemeanor charges or whatever. And then, of course, they'll go after Trump. But again, these people don't they don't concern themselves with such trivialities as precedent or legal function of the justice system. They just do things. They've been investigating Trump in New York for the entire time he was in office and afterwards going through every one of his financial documents looking for some inconsistency to frame as a crime. No precedent set for that. They're just doing it. So I think if they're going to charge Trump, they'll just charge Trump. They're not going to worry about how it appears in the media as if the media would ever criticize them for anything, them being the deep state in this situation. Finally, we have this story. All Twitter users in the U.S. will start seeing crowdsourced fact checks on tweets. It's a program called Birdwatch. Birdwatch invites a small pool of Twitter users to contribute notes to tweets to add context. The program has slowly expanded to now include all U.S. users. So obviously this is open editorializing, which would mean Twitter would be abandoning its claim for under Section 230 to not be liable for what people post. But again, the people in charge do not concern themselves with trivialities like what is legal or what is written under the law or what is the appropriate behavior of a corporation that's regulated by the u.s government they're just doing it again maybe that's just the the theme of today's program is just like we're just here telling you what they're doing and they're just doing it nobody wants them to do it nobody asked them to do it but we can't stop them from doing it apparently because folks they're just doing it it being destroying the world by the will of god and by God working through you and your support, InfoWars continues to persevere against attacks never before seen in the Western world against independent media. Thanks for keeping me in the fight. And over the years, you have come to the table. You have stepped to the plate so many times and kept InfoWars and free speech on the air, and I thank you. But now, I have my own legal bills that have reached the point that I can't pay them. And I need your support. So if you want to keep this operation moving forward, if you want to back me in this fight against the globalists, please visit SaveInfoWars.com. And SaveInfoWars.com takes you to a URL at GiveSendGo for direct Alex Jones Legal Defense Fund. This whole phase of their attacks, four years in the making, is almost over. And right at the end, we're not giving up. 
We're not giving in, but we could give out. So please, if you support what we're doing and want to fight for liberty and freedom and justice in the future, go to SaveInfoWars.com today. Think about a world without InfoWars. Just take a moment and sit back and think about all the incredible guests and callers and stories we've broken together, this family that is InfoWars. Think about how InfoWars is cited by Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson and Bolsonaro and other foreign leaders like Nigel Farage as being the main impetus towards firing up their main base to defeat the New World Order. The only reason humanity's still in the fight today is because the viewers and listeners of this broadcast have taken action and supported this show. I don't take the credit. I give you the credit. And now InfoWars is facing its darkest hours. It isn't going to give up. Without your support, we can be shut down. Please go to SaveInfoWars.com today. SaveInfoWars.com today and donate for our legal defense fund. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue to take on the globalists, coming to you live from Austin, Texas. This is InfoWars. I'm your host, Harrison Smith. Trial wrapped up yesterday. The jury, I guess, is still in uh, deliberation. Yeah, they're deliberating right now. So I want to take a quick moment here to just remind everybody what this entire case is predicated on. We're going to go to clip number nine here. It's Robert Barnes with Alex Jones. I believe it's from a few days ago because I think we played a, a portion of this a little bit earlier. But I just want to go to this just because people, you know, obviously the majority of the information about the trial is coming from the mainstream media and they tend to not question things that go in favor of their narrative. Right? If, it, if they want it to be true, they'll portray it as true and not do any research into it. Ironic, I guess you could say, considering the context of the trial itself, but they're not on trial. <laughs> the, the, the mainstream media is not on trial. No, we are. We are. So let's go now to clip number nine. Here's Robert Barnes breaking down the Alex Jones case and, and why it was a default judgment in the first place and why – this charade has to go on to uh, hold a so-called trial where the outcome is preordained and unchangeable. Let's watch. What is the truth that the plaintiff's lawyers are so terrified that the people hear? What is that truth? That truth is that Alex Jones participated in discovery more than any media defendant in American libel law history. A lot more than the New York Times did just down the road in New York in either the Project Veritas case or the Sarah Palin case, as is detailed in the Hartford Current publication, which talks about the internal emails, internal documents, internal financial records, all disclosed and divulged to plaintiff's lawyers. So this is a case where there has been a big lie, a fake case about supposed fake news. It's a fake case because the story they told about Alex Jones was never true. The story they told about Sandy Hook 
was not true in the sense that they blamed gun owners and blamed Alex Jones for what happened when the reality is that school safety was not up to snuff at Sandy Hook. Democratic politicians decided to pocket money meant to protect little kids' lives, and little kids died who didn't need to die because politicians lied. That's the real truth of Sandy Hook. But they can't have any of that truth come out. They can't have the truth that Alex Jones and InfoWars had nothing to do with promoting and instigating and originating those who had doubts about Sandy Hook. That came from media professors and school safety people and people completely outside of Alex Jones and InfoWars. That's why they always had a fake case. And they won't allow them to tell the truth because the truth would let the world know that their case is based on a lie. And Bob, make the point you've made. You were involved in the first two years of the case. We gave them all this massive discovery that you see on the screen. Then they sit around and say we didn't give it to them, so we're defaulted, so we can't defend ourselves. Absolutely. And, uh, throughout the entire time frame, I challenge anybody out there to find any media defendant who has produced as many emails, as many documents, as many internal policies, as many as in all the broadcasts that were relevant here that has uh, ever been defaulted. This has never happened. Default is now being used and politically weaponized to take away people's right to trial by jury. And here you're seeing it live. You're seeing it reported in the Hartford Current. If he gets up and testifies, truthfully, he goes to jail. How is that consistent with the American legal tradi uh, tradition at all? How is that consistent with what uh, we view as American law? So <laughs> you saw the War Room logo at the end because this is the way this is the way this works, right? Somebody films that clip and puts it on the Internet and then the War Room crew grabs it and then airs it and then somebody on Twitter clips it out of the War Room show and, uplo and uploads it to their Twitter and it gets shared and then I find it and I download it and play it for you on here. This is a uh, – it's a culture of, of sharing here at InfoWars and honestly it really is. I know one of the videos that we've been – playing a lot of or that's really just been spreading around a lot and that has been taking Twitter by storm and I, I see it posted probably more than any other report and it was the one Greg Reese did of the people doing the weird turnaround where they look and fall over and it's the vaccine reaction I mean an incredibly creepy video and of course he found out about that because he was watching American Journal and a caller called in and said have you guys seen these videos and uh that day, Greg Reese texted me and was like, hey, man, I found the videos that guy was talking about. I'm going to do a report on it. So it, this really is – I mean this is the point of American Journal. It's the point of InfoWars is to provide a platform for you fine people to call in and tell us what you see. And then we do our part and try it's to get the information hub. out there. What is it? It's a communication hub. A communication hub. The and hub of the wheel. If the you did watch, if you did the, watch the trial yesterday, you know, they talk about the InfoWars audience and you can tell they're afraid. And it's not of the people, you know, uh, when I was in communication school, they, they talk about small effects theory and they talk about, you know, what when you're forming messages and things like that, you know, that there is a small percentage of people, let's say one out of a million who might take something you say the wrong way mm -hmm. and act on it, you know, which is why you do have to be careful in crafting a message. But it's the 99% of people that tune into InfoWars and interact with us in a positive way, you know, online that they're scared of, right? They're of scared of you guys sharing this information, getting it out. Uh, no, it's just like the the last trial in Texas with the expert that went up and was, you know, again, talking about the fact that there, there are literally legions of academics that study InfoWars, not 
as a scientific curiosity going, what is it about InfoWars and why do people like it and what, what can we learn from this? But studying us in order to counteract us, studying us in order to learn how to best disable our ability to spread things. And it's not it's not a small thing. There's a reason that mainstream media is collapsing right now, and it's because they don't change with the times. If there's one thing that has been InfoWars' biggest strength, it's that as new technologies have been made available, we've taken advantage of them and used them effectively. Or just changes in the culture, meme culture, or during the 2016 election, using the platforms that we were on like YouTube and Twitter. I mean that's why we got kicked off because we were effective because we actually changed with the times, were small enough and I guess you could say as a company – Agile. Agile enough, stealing words out of my mouth. Matt, I'll get to it. It will come out. Don't worry. Yeah, agile. Being agile enough because these old lumbering monolithic hulks that are the mainstream media are so mired in their own bureaucracy and processes and advertising agencies having a say and uh, corporate executives coming in and uh, twiddling things around and InfoWars. We're, we're a lean, mean news-making machine. We just do whatever it takes from live streaming to – you know, dominating social media, the alternative media or the alternative social medias or the basic ones like Twitter and YouTube, they kicked us off and we're still dominant and we still trend on an almost daily basis. I mean, they can't stop us because they can't stop you from sharing this information. They can't stop you from spreading the stuff that you learn here. They cannot stop you as much as they try. It's like trying to stop the tide from coming in. I mean, it's just an overwhelming force of humanity waking up and speaking out and they maybe didn't realize what they were unleashing when the Department of Defense came out with the internet thinking that they would be able to maintain control of it. No, they've lost control. We are taking control. It's happening at an increasing clip. We're going to show you on the other side some videos. We'll start with the the, the big thing that we should all be concerned about, the nuclear exchange. We'll take your phone calls a little bit later in the show as well. Go to InfoWarsStore.com to support us or go to SaveInfoWars.com to donate uh, and contribute to our legal fund. We rely on you. We need you. Help us. Save us, won't you? Think about a world without InfoWars. Just take a moment and sit back and think about all the incredible guests and callers and stories we've broken together. This family that is InfoWars. Think about how InfoWars is cited by Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson and Bolsonaro and other foreign leaders like Nigel Farage as being the main impetus towards firing up their main base to defeat the New World Order. The only reason humanity's still in the fight today is because the viewers and listeners of this broadcast have taken action and supported this show. I don't take the credit. I give you the credit. And now InfoWars is facing its darkest hours. It isn't going to give up. Without your support, we can be shut down. Please go to SaveInfoWars.com today. SaveInfoWars.com today and donate for our legal defense fund. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Said it before, folks. Say it again. It's very bizarre living through a time in history that so closely resembles previous times in history, 
that you've wondered, like you, when you look back in those times, you wonder how could they not see what was coming? How could they not have avoided this horrific fate? I mean, when you hear about World War One, I, I mean, let alone World War Two, but especially World War One, where it was just this quagmire, this just churning machine of human death, where you just have. In fact, there was a a tweet that I, I mean, somebody retweeted yesterday. <laughs> Some genius on the moon retweeted. The First World War nearly wiped out the young male population in many towns. Each poppy on this map of Grimsby, Lincolnshire in the UK represents somebody who never made it home. So I mean, just imagine, and you could, if you're a radio listener, it's a you know aerial shot satellite image of a town where just about every house has a poppy on it poppy being the symbol for the soldiers killed in world war one and it's just a reminder of what a horrific crime against humanity any war is and that it i mean it's it's really indescribable i mean even just reading the descriptions of what took place you know the battle of the psalm or, or anything like this like you might as well just picture a giant conveyor belt just feeding the best and brightest of an entire generation into a giant churning meat grinder for no reason, no purpose, gaining nothing and all of it. Selling a bunch of weapons, sure, destroying large swaths of Europe that still to this day can't be used because they're riddled with explosives that have never detonated. I'm just utterly and totally horrific. And you look back and you go, man, if you could, if you could go back in time and show people what they were leading up to, what they were building up to, what was going to be the ultimate outcome of this conflict, they would have never let it get started. They would have done whatever it took. They would have capitulated in any way ever to just go, look, it, we might have to give up Serbia here, but it's – trust me, it's worth it. Trust me, it's well worth it. The deaths of millions – Millions upon millions of young men, lives just snuffed out for nothing. Like what would you do? What wouldn't you do to prevent that from ever happening? And you look back in history and you think, gosh, if only they knew. If only they could tell. What was it like to live through that? Did anybody know? Did anybody have a premonition? Was anybody shouting and saying we have to stop this right now? It's not worth it. And how bizarre is it to now be in that very situation? To be shouting, it's not worth it, let's not fire up the meat grinder, let's not jump on the conveyor belt, and to be utterly ignored while these processes just continue unabated as the treads roll and as we slowly but inevitably head towards horrific warfare. So now we know what it's like, it sucks. Now we know what it's like to be in a, in a time in a situation where our leaders are bloodthirsty and desperate to get us into a horrific and pointless conflict and to just have to sit here and watch it happen, watch it unfold in front of us. And that in a lot of ways is the greatest trick that the globalists play is convincing everybody that all of this from the war in Ukraine to just the progress of society is just some sort of natural occurrence that you just have to deal with. You know, like like the rain, like the weather, right? You you walk outside, and if you get wet because because you get rained on, who are you going to blame? You can't you can't do anything to stop it. You couldn't have prevented the rain. You can get undercover and try to avoid getting wet, but at the end of the day, 
it's just the weather's going to do what it's going to do and you just have to deal with it. And that's how they want you thinking about world politics and policies and geopolitical events. It's just it's just happening. It's just nothing you can do, nothing any of us can do. When reality what's happening is that the globalists are standing on the roof pissing on us and telling us it's the rain and telling us there's nothing we can do about it. All of this stuff is done by choice. All of this stuff is the result of decisions being made by human beings. And once you realize that, once you realize that this stuff isn't just the natural progression of humanity, then you realize that it's being done on purpose. You realize it's being done on purpose. You have to ask yourself why everything is getting worse, why everything is heading towards destruction and collapse. And you can realize that you can do something about it in some small part. You can prevent this from taking place if by doing nothing more than by working against the people who are working to bring it about. So again, we were warning in January of this year about the coming conflict in Ukraine and explaining with experts on this program how the U.S. can intervene to prevent the war from happening. Never didn't take place. Instead, they aggravated for war. They got the war they wanted, could have ended again in April or May when there was a peace agreement that was going to be discussed until the Western leaders came in and scuttled that. And now as things continue to ramp up, the West is doing everything it can to contribute to this fermentation of conflict. With uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine and greedy little gremlin, is now calling on NATO to launch preemptive strikes against Russia. Biden's warning of nuclear Armageddon and number one candidate nominee for the Nobel Peace Prize, Zelensky, is saying if there's going to be nuclear war, we better start it, and we better start it right now. Let's go now to... This statement made by Zelensky yesterday on the cusp of what Biden describes as Armageddon. Let's see what they're doing. Eliminate the possibility of Russia using nuclear weapons. Cast a spell, Harry Potter. But what is important, I once again appeal to the international community as I did before February 24th. We need preemptive strikes so that they'll know what will happen to them if they use nukes and not the other way around. Don't wait for Russia's nuclear strikes and then say, oh, since you did that, since you did this, take that from us. Reconsider the way you apply pressure. This is what NATO should do. Reconsider the order in which it applies pressure on Russia. I don't know how many times I have to make this point. He's not in NATO. He is not a NATO ally. Ukraine is not even a democracy. They have made it illegal to run an opposition party. They have confiscated all of the bank accounts and everything from the number one opposition party in Ukraine. They've nationalized all of the media. They are a single-party dictatorship, a goblinocracy, a gremlinocracy. So what are we doing this for? What, what would possibly be the point of this? This guy's maybe the most dangerous human being alive on earth right now. Preemptive strike. He wants to do a preemptive nuclear strike against Russia rather than wait. And of course, and again, just this bizarre 
situation that apparently is happening around the world. I thought it just happened in America because Joe Biden is, uh, you know, brain dead old coot. But same type of thing. Volodymyr Zelensky, you heard him right there. Translation was accurate. He says we need to preemptively strike Russia on the nuclear, you know, in the nuclear question on how we deal with this. We need to preemptively strike to show them, you know, not wait until they nuke us. We need to nuke them. It wasn't exactly vague what he said, only to have the government of the official government of Ukraine come out and say, no, that's not what Zelensky said at all. Actually, he was talking about February 24th and before the invasion, how they should have used diplomacy to stop the invasion from happening. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but just like people can't get a handle on what's actually going on because you have the president of a country saying one thing and then immediately his administration countermanding it and reversing what he was saying so you're like wait do you think they should use weapons or not like if it's if that's such a crazy thing to say that the government is coming out to you know reject it and and reverse it then why is nobody seem to be mad about what he said in the first place I mean, again it's all it's all very bizarre and confusing this world we find ourselves in but at the end of the day it's really not that complicated People are psychopaths. They're driving us towards war and doing everything they can to depopulate the planet. Look around you. Everything I predicted from the globalist owned documents, from their own admissions, is now happening. InfoWars credibility. My credibility has never been higher. And it's because of your backing of this operation that I can steadfastly, despite the censorship and the boycotts and the attacks and the lawsuits, stay on air. But now we're reaching the most critical juncture in the fight together. So I want to ask all of you today to help keep me on the air. In my decades on air, I've never asked for personal donations, but I'm being forced by the bankruptcy court to pay for 40% of the legal fees, and I can't fund those myself. It's unsustainable. So please visit SaveInfoWars.com. SaveInfoWars.com, where you can make straight donations, five, ten, fifty, hundred dollars, whatever you can, so that I can continue to persevere. I'll never give up, I'll never give in, but I could give out. Thank you for your support. Wouldn't be here without you. SaveInfoWars.com. One of the ways that your audience you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. Infowars.com forward slash crypto. That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Objection. Your advertisement for your cryptocurrency page. People care about the First Amendment. And in the cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency page, people can give you in Bitcoin. Yes. Yes. Ethereum. Right. Yes. As well as XRP, Monero, Litecoin, USD coin, Dogecoin, and Stellar. This is it. Give crypto. Fund Infowars. Sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Thanks to your donations and your support at InfoWarsStore.com, InfoWars is able to broadcast free worldwide, combating the lies of the Great Reset. Give crypto, fund InfoWars. Donate now, InfoWars.com forward slash crypto. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, President of the United States Joe Biden is warning of a risk of nuclear Armageddon. He's saying it's the highest, since, the highest risk of 
nuclear conflict since 1962 and the Bay of Pigs ordeal. Hey, the good news is no mean tweets. No, I mean, I think the important thing is that the Hollywood elite and that the media talking heads are no longer offended by mean words on Twitter. So, sure, you have to be turned into dust because of a radioactive flash. But at the end of the day, is that not preferable to, you know, the president using naughty words and and making up mean nicknames for Hillary Clinton? I mean, come on. You're not okay with that, are you? It's absolutely wild. But remember, folks, if you hear the sirens, if the missiles start firing, if that cloud of radioactive dust starts wafting your way and killing your children, uh, just make sure you're vaccinated, okay? So just make sure you go get your vaccine Uh, Once you hear the alarm, you'll have about 10 or 15 minutes. That's plenty of time to head down to your local pharmacy and make sure that you're up to date on your boosters, okay? You don't want to – you know how much worse it could be if you get hit by a nuclear blast when you're unvaccinated? You'll still die, but it could have been a lot worse if you weren't vaccinated. So just make sure sure you get your jab before the nuclear missile falls, okay? Just let's get a priority straight here. Lindsey Graham threatens Elon Musk after he calls for de-escalation in Ukraine-Russia war. On Monday, Elon Musk posted a tweet urging a de-escalation in the Russian war on Ukraine. Musk fears any escalation would cause great harm to not only Ukraine but the world. Elon Musk also posted a poll with Endgame in the war posted a poll on the Endgame in the war. In response to his question, Elon Musk was slammed by his pro-war critics. Can you imagine being pro-war? I mean, it's just an insane thing to be. Like, what could that possibly? I get that war is necessary at certain times. <laughs> war is is a fact of life, so there's no reason pretending like it doesn't exist or pretending like it's not an option. But I don't even think these people would be shy about it. I think if you asked them, "Are you pro or anti-war?" they would say, "I'm pro-war." Which it's easy, yeah. You're pro-war, like I'm pro the Houston Texans, right? <laughs> I'll cheer from afar, but I'm not about to go get on the field. Right? They're very pro-war for you, for everybody else, across the world, somewhere else, as long as it makes them money. They're pro-war. There's very few number of people that are openly and outspokenly anti-war in this case. One of them is Claire Daly. She's a member of the European Parliament representing Dublin. She gave a speech on the floor of the EU Parliament talking about Ukraine and, again, castigating appropriately demonizing the her fellow members of European Parliament for not just not doing anything to avoid the war, but actively encouraging and accelerating it. Clip number three here, it's MEP Claire Daly in the EU. The war in Ukraine is quickly escalating into a wider horror. And from what I can see, practically nobody in this chamber is doing anything to prevent it. In fact, most people seem to get off on the fact that it's escalating. And at this precise moment, of course, as usual, the voices challenging the rush to war are attacked and silenced, smeared as traitors, cronies, Putin puppets, Kremlin stooges, Russian agents, 
Frankly, it's pathetic. And I don't make the comparison lightly, but the crudeness and cynicism of these slurs coming from mainstream EU parties might as well have been written by Hermann Goring, who infamously said that even though people never want war, they can be brought to war with threats and smears. He said, all you have to do, tell them they're being attacked, denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing their country to danger. It works the same every way. Where he led, you are following. This House should be ashamed of this debate. Words are being twisted, meaning subverted, and the truth turned on its head. Opposing the horrible madness of war is not anti-European. It's not anti-Ukrainian. It's not pro-Russian. It's common sense. The working class of Europe have nothing to gain from this war and everything to lose. And I find it laughable that those calling for arms to Ukraine never call for arms for the people of Palestine or for the people of Yemen. Unlike you, I oppose all war. I want it stopped. I make no apology for that, and I'm not going to be scapegoated and labelled for it either. Incredibly, incredibly powerful speech there from Claire Daly. And she's exactly right, of course. You're smeared for wanting peace. And again, the amazing thing is that, you know, I'm just reminded of the UN speech that Trump gave where he's warning Germany about Nord Stream 2 and about being reliant on Russian energy prices. And they're all just sitting there like, hmm, you know, just like smiling. They're just like, you know, this like superiority that is completely unearned. Right. And it's the same thing there. If you look at the, the other members of parliament, like she's giving this speech about war, about what a horrific thing this is, about what a what a disaster they're driving us into. And they're all just like, look at this woman wanting Pete. You know, they're just like this superior, condescending sneer that they have on their faces. They look at this woman. It's like. It's like they think that they that it's not real. I, I don't get it. Like they're just disconnected from reality. It's so bizarre. Like at least in World War One and Two, you still had this like kind of manly man aristocratic type of thing where like if you were going to war, you were gonna go. No, we will defeat them. We will send our men and we will overpower them. Now it's just like, hmm, sweetie, you think that Russia is gonna beat us? Like I don't know. It's this. It's this very, very weird we're, – we're, we're sashaying into war. <laughs> it's not – we're not marching towards war. We're not rumbling towards war in our battalion of tanks. We're sashaying. We're bustling towards war. It's completely insane. And of course, the people that try to stop this get demonized, get smeared, get in some cases arrested and kept in the Ecuadorian embassy for five years for exposing the crimes committed during war. I want to go to a video now. This is war criminal John Bolton talking to Stella Assange. He's committed clear criminal activity. He's no more a journalist uh, than the chair I'm sitting on. Uh, the information that he divulged uh, did, in fact, put many people in jeopardy. Uh, it undercut the ability of the United States to have confidential diplomatic communications, not just with other foreign governments, but in many countries with dissidents, people who even speaking to American diplomats could find themselves in trouble. Uh, and so, you know, he uh, he's been complaining about his treatment uh, over the past period of time. He's the one who sought asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy. Uh, now he faces extradition to the United States. I, I presume he will get due process in the United Kingdom. 
to determine whether extradition should go forward. And when he gets to the United States, he'll get due process here. And I hope he gets at least 176 years in jail for what he did. Stella? Well, of course, uh, Ambassador Bolton is kind of the ideological nemesis of Julian. He has, uh, during his time for the Bush administration and later the Trump administration, um, sought to undermine the international legal system, ensure that the U.S. is not under the International Criminal Court's jurisdiction. And if it was, uh, Mr. Bolton might... Uh, in fact, uh, be prosecuted under the ICC. Uh, he was one of the chief cheerleaders of the Iraq war, which Julian then exposed through these leaks. So um, he has a conflict of interest here. <laughs> well done. So that was uh, Julian Assange's wife, Stella Assange, telling John Bolton to his face that he's a war criminal and it's been exposed by Julian Assange. And of course, John Bolton just laughs like this is... This is how they feel. They don't feel. You think they feel shame for what they've done? And due process. Give me a freaking break. Yeah. Do do when you talk about due process and Julian Assange in the same sentence? Right. It's more like, uh, yeah. You uh, due process, uh, hanging yourself in a jail cell. I mean, it's it's one and the same, really, isn't it? Yeah. Hillary Clinton is literally on tape saying, "Can't we just drone this guy?" They're like, no, they just kept come him to in, us. They, they kept him in solitary confinement for years. Like, they drove him insane. Yeah, he literally and has already been denied due process. Like, it's not even a... And, right. And they're just like, there's like, no, I think he should do the right thing. Come over to us. We will treat him fairly. It's just like, you understand that he is hiding from you because he exposed what criminals you are and how you are happy to tread right over any semblance of rule of law to get what you want so why would he go over to you like these people man these people you want to know who we're fighting it's it's these people always like who's they you always say they are doing things it's like well john bolton for one i mean the, the, the list goes on and on but they're out there they have names and faces and they go on tv and they smile and laugh about the crimes that they commit that have killed literally millions of people mass murderers going on tv yeah, laughing the, and mocking where's the fatwa on john bolton fatwa on john bolton where is it I come on that. think about a world without Infowars. Just take a moment and sit back and think about all the incredible guests and callers and stories we've broken together, this family that is InfoWars. Think about how InfoWars is cited by Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson and Bolsonaro and other foreign leaders like Nigel Farage as being the main impetus towards firing up their main base to defeat the New World Order. The only reason humanity's still in the fight today because the viewers and listeners of this broadcast have taken action and supported this show. I don't take the credit. I give you the credit. And now InfoWars is facing its darkest hours. It isn't going to give up. Without your support, we can be shut down. Please go to SaveInfoWars.com today. SaveInfoWars.com today and donate for our legal defense fund. Roaring Lion walketh about Seeking whom he may devour. Why did you pitch me up? Back to the world, boom, what's up, boom? Welcome back, folks. Yes, Kanye has done it again. He's broken the internet again. Like he says, I'm not out of control. I'm just not in their control. He went on Tucker Carlson yesterday. 
Let's watch how that went, shall we? There's a group mob. It's like liberal Nazis that will go up and attack you. Like I said, you know, everyone's like, Anna Winter's your friend. I'm like, this Gabby girl and Gigi and these people, um, they would have never said anything negative unless they got the okay from Condé Nast, unless they got the okay from Anna. They would have never got the okay to comment. Like, let's just talk about specifically. So these are people yeah. who are attacking you for your t-shirt. Well, it was a setup. It started off as, um, it started off as them having this black girl comment and say, well, I felt traumatized when I saw this t-shirt. It's like this is a black girl saying, I felt traumatized when I saw um, a black man wearing something that he wasn't allowed to wear. It's like in Django when Jamie Foxx is on top of a horse and Samuel Jackson's like, you know, that black guy's not supposed to be on top of the horse. <laughs> okay. And then I went and said, hey, I don't like your boots. I know Anna Winter doesn't like your boots and you're not a fashion person. And then people started to say, I was a bully, but it was a setup. And they finally got it, right? Because I eliminated the, the BLM officer at Adidas. And then I got out of the gap deal. And just one by one by one, I just be, I've been winning these battles, right? And they thought they had me. They had the idea that Ye was bullying uh, what I think the term, the liberal term is uh, a body goes black woman. Now let's talk about Gabby and my good friend Lizzo. Lizzo works with my trainer, a friend of mine, Harley Pasternak, Harley, Harley Pasternak. When Lizzo loses 10 pounds and announces it, the bots, uh, that's a term for uh, people like, it's like telemarketer call, callers right. like on Instagram, they attack her for losing weight because the media wants to put out a perception that being overweight is the new goal when it's actually unhealthy. Yes. Let's get aside the fact of whether it's fashion and vogue, which it's not. Let's, let's just, or if someone thinks it's attractive, to each his own. It's actually clinically unhealthy. And for people to, to promote that, um, it's, a, it's demonic. You know, what, can I ask, yeah. I've noticed this also. Yeah. Why do you think they would want to promote unhealthiness among the population? It's a genocide of the black race. They wanna kill us in any way they can. Planned Parenthood was made by Margaret Sanger, a known eugenics with the KKK. And I believe that if we saw ourselves as more, as we saw ourselves as a people and not a race, then we would treat our people better. Like if you go to a Jewish person and you say a race, it's, it almost gets confusing. It'll cut you off quickly and say, we're not a race, we're a people. Well, our people are supposed to just say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Okay, well what about, do you own the land that you're living in? Do you own, is the contracts 
even in a language that's even possibly understandable, right. you know, for your heritage, you know, and in America, we as blacks will like down each other on how good we speak, but we're speaking English. There's nothing whiter than English. We're not in our native tongue, actually. So we judge each other on white uh, goal lines, not based on exactly what our culture You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Second hour of American Journal has begun. We support everything that we do here at InfoWars by going to InfoWarsStore.com. Go to SaveInfoWars.com, 1776Coin.com. You buy T-shirts and hats and supplements and all sorts of wonderful stuff at InfoWars Store. And, of course, it all goes directly towards this, the ultimate in human liberty, freedom, a truly, in its most classical sense, liberal broadcast as we champion unerringly the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness guaranteed to everyone in this country. Hopefully, with enough effort, we can spread that throughout the world. We've been, we've been fairly successful in this for a little while. And one of the reasons I think that we've been so successful is because we actually have principles. We actually stand on them. We actually continue to hold them even when it's not socially or politically or economically beneficial for us to do so. I'm using the, the royal we, the, the royal us here because – of course, this happened long before I joined InfoWars back when I was but, a, but, a, but an ignorant high schooler and seeing what was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan and looking around and seeing nothing but cheerleading from the mainstream media. And again, it reminds you of just how effective the media can be at organizing people for, for war. I mean just look at what they're doing with Ukraine now. Can't tell you the number of Ukraine flags I still see on a daily basis. See people walking down the street wearing shirts that are like Snake Island F U. And it's like it's hard not to, you know, they're strangers, so I don't wanna I don't wanna get in a fight with them or anything, but it's it's hard not to just be like, you know that's fake, right? You know that never happened, you know that was propaganda, it's completely disproven. Like as soon as it happened, it came out that it actually didn't happen. But you bought a shirt that says it. You 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 still believe it, apparently. You're wearing that shirt around. Like it's real. It's amazing. It's amazing. They bought that World War Three merch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Early. World War Three merch. Get it while it's hot. No, it's insane. It's completely insane how easily people are are swayed. And now, if you ask people on the street about the war in Iraq, I doubt you'll get a single person in an average American city who was, you know, openly and forthrightly and just like aggressively pro the war in Iraq, right? You'll get people going, well, at the time it was the right thing. Well, Saddam Hussein was very evil, and he was. Saddam Hussein was an evil son of a gun. His, his kids were even worse. I'm not going to deny that. But you're not going to get anybody going, yeah, it was a good idea. What we did back there was excellent, super good. It was a good decision what we did there, killing a million people and lighting the Middle East on fire and 
wasting thousands of American lives and trillions of American dollars to gain absolutely nothing against an enemy that we had previously armed and gotten into power. It was a great idea. All that was wonderful. Nobody's going to say that. But at the time, they booed Michael Moore off the stage at the Oscars for opposing the war in Iraq, for saying it wasn't a good idea. Hollywood, all these wonderful, loving liberals booed him off of the stage for being anti-war. So it really gives you a good perspective. And I remember looking around that media landscape and seeing on one hand the people who I think and still think to a certain degree are real patriots aggravating for this war and justifying things like the Patriot Act. And on the other side, you had a dichotomy. You had people like Michael Moore and other like far leftist peaceniks who – were against the war, and I agreed with them on that, but they were, like, against the war because it was, like, it, they're poor brown people, you know, like, just for, like, all of these, like, liberal, bizarre reasons where they're, like, yeah, we have to end war and take your guns, and it's, like, what is this? And then there was this third option. There was this third way. There was the InfoWars way, and I remember in high school, it was, like, a revelation. It was, like, okay, here's a guy, Alex Jones, who's exposing the war, who's exposing the lies that have led us to war who's warning and sounding the alarm bells about what's happening with the Patriot Act and the TSA and the NSA and all these other things and Julian Assange and all this stuff. And he understands the way to fight back against this is not surrender your sovereignty to some global organization that wants to drug you and feed you fluoride and take your guns, but actually wants to stand up against them using what it is that makes America great in the first place, which is our ingenuity and our freedom of speech and our contentious but exciting culture of you know, information combat. I mean that is, that is a real revelation. And so when you look at you know, why InfoWars has continued to rise in popularity ever since those days, it's kind of obvious because it's the human response to this unhuman attack against us. And the other important thing, all this, this rant getting to, is the understanding that what's happening now seems inexplicable until you put it in a wider context. And one thing InfoWars has always been very good at, and we don't do it as much now, I think, because things are happening so rapidly. We're just reporting on, on what's happening right now as it's taking place. But before the ball really got rolling with globalism, even as late as 2015 or so, there – was a lot of time and still is a lot of time on InfoWars spent on going back and looking at where all of this got started and how what we're experiencing now is not some aberration. It's not some flare up of a globalist sentiment, but is the end result of a very long decades in progress process or plan that has been rolled out. And once you realize that, I mean, it puts the whole thing in a different perspective. So I'm going to give out the phone number here. And when we get back, I'm going to show a couple of videos about this little place called the Tavistock Institute. Now, the Tavistock Institute was recently shut down by the NHS in England because it was performing gender transition surgeries on children, and that's not a good thing to do. So they were shut down. But if you look at it, Tavistock didn't get started with gender transition. Tavistock actually got started in the year of 1913. Again, you have to look back in history and go, what about 1913 was so impactful? I did a video about 1913. I can't remember what I called it. Something like 1913, the, the year the 
that changed the world or something along those lines. But in the year 1913, you had the creation of the Federal Reserve on Jekyll Island, the institution of income tax as a temporary measure that never ended. You had the 17th Amendment that took elections for senators in the federal government away from the state legislatures and made it a democratic statewide election race, which allows for much, much easier manipulation. That's something I, I don't I don't know if people understand, but it's not a good thing to uh, democratize things like that. Like, can you imagine if the senators that are in D.C. today didn't have a lot of interest or need to campaign around their state, weren't able to take millions of dollars from George Soros and spread a bunch of ads and get a bunch of you know, mail-in ballot harvesting underlings to you know, pump up their numbers – if instead they just did their job and only had to answer to the state legislature, which they themselves had to answer to the people, like that was what the republic system was. So, you know, people don't, you know, 17th Amendment, if you ask people, they wouldn't know what it is. It was a major blow to the republic because it democratized the position of senator, which has led to, you know, a lot of damage and, and really the dismantling of the, the Senate as a whole. Uh, 1913 was also the year the ADL was founded, who now basically runs our you know, big tech censorship and FBI hate crime division. It was also the year that the assembly line was invented and Henry Ford remade you know, humans working from craftsmen creating a product to bugs standing in a position and working like a robot for eight hours a day. A lot of stuff happened in 1913, of course, the year right before uh, World War II got started, and also apparently was the year that the Tavistock Institute was created. What was it about 1913? It's also the year of the first Aliyah in Israel. Same people who would then uh, figure out, fitter out a, a working version of uh, communism that they would port back to Russia a couple years later. I'll give out the phone number on the other side. We'll talk about the Tavistock Institute. The biggest sale of 2022 is now live exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. The InfoWarsStore Super Sale is now live. 40 to 50% off. Bare minimum, 40% off. Many of the products, 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com. The most exciting of all these incredible products is X3. All three of the very best types of iodine that are natural and pure that actually get into your cells are in X3. The deep earth crystal iodine and two other types to maximize full absorption. This really is the missing link. X3 sold out for a long time. is finally back in stock. Available at InfoWarsStore.com or by calling toll-free 888-253-3139. Now, it takes a few weeks for this high-quality iodine to kick in, but almost everybody after that feels the effects. It's not just for your immune system, but it's for your energy and so much more. X3 back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com, 50% off. Why don't we talk about cryptocurrency? Okay. Because one of the ways that your audience, you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. And you have a page on your website that's just for cryptocurrency donations, right? InfoWars.com forward slash crypto. Is that a little advertisement just there? Well, we're fighting the deep state. We need okay. money. All right. This is it. 
Give Crypto Fun InfoWars. Sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, right? That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Your advertisement for your cryptocurrency page. You know, I mean, I mean, people want to keep us in the fight. So I, I, I mean, I hope whoever the big whales are, they'll give us money before we keep going. We'll just keep, we'll just keep minting money as you're in this courtroom. What objection, judge? All right, let's move on. And people care about the First Amendment. And- Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, folks, taking your phone calls now and through the rest of the program today. We are coming to you live from Austin, Texas. This is American Journal. You're watching InfoWars, the most hated and despised network in the world, if you ask weirdo liberal scumbags (laughs) also the most beloved outlet in the world if you ask decent loving god-fearing people with families and friends (laughs) oh man it is wild maybe we are in like a bit of a bubble a bit of a bubble but uh yesterday i was watching the the closing arguments in the case and uh, norm pattis alex's lawyer was like i represent Possibly the most hated man in America right now. Maybe the most hated man in the world. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do people hate Alex so much? It's like it's very weird because, you know, when you're in InfoWars, when you interact with Alex every day, it's like how could anybody hate this man? It's so bizarre. But they, man, people really do not like Alex, do not like what we do here, have the completely wrong idea about who it is we are and what we do, what we represent, what it is that attracts people to us. There's all this talk about, like, he's, he creates fear. He makes money from fear. It's just like, well, the truth is scary sometimes. That's true. We're going to tell you it. But we're not taking advantage of fear. We're not creating fear. We're not manufacturing fear. We're not making things up to create fear, a la climate change, or the war in Ukraine, or COVID-19 and the vaccine, or MAGA Americans and domestic terror, or any of the other fear-mongering tactics that come as a continual deluge from the mainstream media. So it's just so bizarre. It's all so bizarre. It's like you hang around a guy who it just is – continual good feelings like anywhere you go with him it's just like crowds people just like we love you and just like let me just let me just touch the hem of your coat like they just 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 like nothing but just like joyous exuberation all the time and then you're on the mainstream media it's just like fear monger and most hated man in america it's just like what is going on right right the the false reality of the mainstream media projected on top of our reality oh yeah that's what's happening. And then you get called a fearmonger by the people who will literally sit there and be like, if we don't take all of your money in one year, the ocean will rise 10 million feet and it'll be your fault. Tell your children, bring your children here. Okay, little Sally, Santa Claus is real. And also your existence is destroying the earth. All of the baby animals are dying because your dad doesn't recycle. It's just like, okay, 
All right. Meanwhile, we're just here like, hey, did you hear they want to launch a nuclear preemptive strike at Russia? Is that not crazy? (laughs) Is that not insane? Are these people not dangerous for human existence? I guess that's fear mongering. Sorry. Sorry. I'll try not to fear monger about, you know, our leaders openly agitating for civil or nuclear exchange on civilians. Okay. All right. No, it's I'm sorry. The weather. Be scared of the weather. I'm sorry. I meant uh, I meant the weather and cow farts are what you should be scared of. They're an existential crisis, not the. Not the decrepit old man who with his uh, trembling finger on the big red button. I launched a nuke, Jack. That blew up Moscow, Jack. Ten million dead. You know, no one messes with the Bidens. <laughs> Nuclear holocaust. <laughs> DC looks different. <laughs> Where did all the buildings go? Uh, hey, but no mean tweets, right? Hey, no mean tweets. So, so we have that going for us. All right, I'll, I'll focus here. It's just, it's all insane. And we'll be taking your calls here for a while. Let's go to, uh, the number is one 2539 1-877-789-2539. All right, I said I'd go to this uh, Tavistock stuff, so I'll do that. To talk about Tavistock, let's first look at a, a little book, a little, little PDF you can download on the interwebs if you're so inclined called Tavistock Institute, Social Engineering the Masses. The introduction about Tavistock says that Tavistock in Sussex, England, is the world's center for mass brainwashing and social engineering activities. From a somewhat crude beginning at Wellington House grew a sophisticated organization that was to shape the destiny of the entire planet and in the process change the paradigm of modern society. In this revolutionary work, which will undoubtedly have the effect of a 500 kiloton nuclear explosion, we we uncover both the Tavistock network and the methods of brainwashing and psychological warfare being adapted then and now for applications to large-scale social engineering projects. This is the Aquarian Conspiracy, as the brainwashers refer to themselves, referring to a secret 1974 Stanford Research Institute study titled Changing Images of Man. You can think of this book as... Essentially an anti-brainwashing combat uh, manual, brainwashing depends on the ignorance of the victims. It is all around us. We can all perceive the the disintegration of our nations in terms of day-to-day personal experiences. However, this is not a coincidence. This is not an accident. What we're witnessing all around us is the planned disintegration of the world economy by the most powerful people in the world. This book on the Tavistock Institute attempts to show that the conspiracy is real, who's behind it, what are its final long-term objectives, and how how we the people can stop them from taking us to hell and again this is not a new book because it's not a new conspiracy it's a very old conspiracy in fact that really got going in during and just after the second world war but the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations was unknown to the people of the United States before Dr. Coleman exposed its existence in his monograph. The Tavistock Institute of Human Relations, Britain control of the United States. Up to that time, Tavistock had successfully retained its secretive role in shaping the affairs of the United States, its government, and its people since its early beginning in London in 1913 in Wellington House. See, so as it was, that, that crux, that crucial year... Of 1913, Tavistock began as a propaganda outlet, creating and disseminating organizations centered at Wellington House, which was where the original organization was put together with the intent of shaping propaganda outlet that would break down and stiff 
uh, break down the stiff public relation, uh, resistance being encountered to the looming war between Britain and Germany. And this, again, was another thing that they encountered here in America. If you look at pre-war polls, it was something like 90-plus percent of Americans did not want to go in, to war with Germany in World War II. They just experienced World War I and had no interest in doing that again. And so when the people in power want something and the people beneath them don't, what do you think happens? Do you think the people in power comport themselves to the will of the people? Or do you think the people in power are going to do what they're going to do anyway and use sophisticated psychological operations to force the rest of the masses to come along with them? So that was where Tavistock really got going. And the question is, how did this war propaganda outlet from 1913 get embroiled in the transgenderism debate and debacle? Well, if you're asking that question, you're missing the through line here. You're missing the point. That is, everything that America is suffering under right now is the direct result of the exact same propagandists using the exact same methods to bring out the exact same conclusion, the total disintegration of the world economy so they can consolidate and rebuild it in their own image. We'll show you what that looks like in the modern day on the other side. Look around you. Everything I predicted from the globalist owned documents, from their own admissions, is now happening. InfoWars credibility. My credibility has never been higher. And it's because of your backing of this operation that I can steadfastly, despite the censorship and the boycotts and the attacks and the lawsuits, stay on air. But now we're reaching the most critical juncture in the fight together. So I want to ask all of you today to help keep me on the air. In my decades on air, I've never asked for personal donations, but I'm being forced by the bankruptcy court to pay for 40% of the legal fees, and I can't fund those myself. It's unsustainable. So please visit SaveInfoWars.com. SaveInfoWars.com, where you can make straight donations, five, ten, fifty, hundred dollars, whatever you can, so that I can continue to persevere. I'll never give up, I'll never give in, but I could give out. Thank you for your support. Wouldn't be here without you. SaveInfoWars.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we are going to go out to your phone calls. I'm going to try to go to new callers. Callers I haven't heard from in a while. Before I do, I want to talk a little bit more about the Tavistock Institute. Again, this is from Chapter 1 called Counterinsurgency. In a book titled Tavistock Institute, Social Engineering for the Masses. Techniques for psychological manipulation of society are about as old as humanity itself. Feudal lords to preserve and consolidate their power forever have used punishments and torture as dissuasive agents of change. Even thousands of years ago, it was 
even thousands of years ago, it was not the techniques per se, but their conscious application as divide and conquer tools, which aided the ruling classes. No matter how anti-human a particular technique or therapeutic approach may be, it is not in itself counterinsurgency. Counterinsurgency cannot proceed merely on horrors. It requires conscious and systematic application by the ruling class or its dupes. This was achieved by fusing psychology and psychiatry in the 1930s. Since then, the science of the mind has been converted into the craft of mind destruction. Legitimate therapeutic approaches have given way to behavior-modifying pseudoscience in the name of aversion therapy. This, com- this conversion of the mind science was truly shaped by war. Quote, the war of mental genocide waged by the bourgeoisie against the working class. The essential premise of the work of Tavistock is the premise that certain kinds of democratic institutions represent far more efficient instrumentalities for fascist dictatorship than the traditional straightforwardly authoritarian models. From the great oil hoax and CIA-style brainwashing, the psychological sciences have followed the route initially outlined in 1945 by Dr. John Rawlings Rees, grandmaster of Psywar counterinsurgency, in his book *The Shaping of Psychiatry by War*. Rees called for the development of psychiatric shock troops in order to develop quote methods of political control based upon driving the majority of the human population towards psychosis through procedures of so-called programmed behavioral modification. He proposed. This to render the population submissive under the post World War II economic world order. And there, in a single page or a single set of pages, is the history and modern application of the psychological information war that's currently being waged. Of course, this whole book has an entire chapter on Aldous Huxley, and we reference the Huxley quote regularly on this program where he talks about the fact that you can do everything with your spear except for sit on it. In other words, you can conquer people through overt and violent authoritarianism, but if you want to relax and enjoy your position at the top of this controlled society, you can't use force to achieve that. You have to use democratic institutions and manipulation of people's minds on a chemical, psychological, psychiatric, or subconscious level to achieve total, complete, and unquestionable control. And so that's what's going on now. And is it any wonder that the same institution that helped to bring about this psychiatric war in the first place is now the centerpiece in the transgenderism for children debate? What do you think creates submissive subjects more than convincing the subjects to abandon their very humanity? And that's exactly what's happening. So earlier this year in July, the NHS in the UK closed the Tavistock Child Gender Identity Clinic. The story from the BBC, July 28th, reports the NHS is to close the UK's only dedicated gender identity clinic for children and young people. Again, the other thing that people like Mark Benioff are very proud. They're philanthropists because they do things like pay hospitals to create a transgender wing for children. That's, that's their contribution to this human experiment. Tavistock and Port, Portman NHS Foundation Trust has been told to shut the clinic by spring after it was criticized in an independent review, essentially saying, well, everything you know to be true about transgender children, that she, uh, the current model of care was leaving young people at a considerable risk of poor mental health and distress, and having one clinic was not a safe or viable long-term option. 
now a new documentary has been made about Tavistock and about transgender children, you know, in total. It's called No Turning Back. It's from Iconic Film. It's an iconic original film spelled I-C-K-O-N-I-C. Here's the trailer for No Turning Back, clip number 21. Gender Clinic is facing a class action lawsuit. Allegations include recklessly prescribing puberty blockers. And their answer is to prescribe you at how old? At 16 years old. 16 years old puberty blockers. There was so many psychologists saying something isn't appropriate about the treatment we're giving these children. And they said things like, I trans hundreds of kids and I don't think any of them should have been trans. We don't allow children to drink, we don't allow them to use sunbeds, and yet we're giving, you know, 19 years old the same drugs that are used to chemically castrate sex offenders. Children were being uh, diagnosed as being trans very quickly, without any proper investigation. I decided to write a report. When they saw it, they tried to stop me. I got enrolled to therapy at the gender clinic. A hundred sessions later, I came out medicalized for life deeply damaged by surgery and when I've looked back through my notes all I've got is anger and rage. This is the issue of our time, it impacts upon each and every one of us. The medicine is involved in it, the law has become involved in it, the education system. Big Pharma is hugely implicated in this. I'm Dr. Heather Branskill Evans and I'm a sociologist and philosopher of medicine. I'm a detransitioner. Former president of the British Psychoanalytic Society. Governor on the board of governors of the Tavistock Clinic. Lawyer specialising in human rights. I am detransitioning. I was also a member of the Council of Governors of the Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust. No turning back. Exclusively on iconic. The Alternative, which I understand is uh, David Icke's uh, production company. I knew I, I found that trailer actually on David Icke's website. I didn't realize he was involved in the production of it. It looks incredibly high quality, and it shows you that people are finally waking up to this and realizing what's going on and starting to stand up against it, which is a, a wonderful thing. But again, this is the way it works, right? They very quietly institute this stuff, hoping people don't realize it. If you call it out, you're castigated you're 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 censured you're considered a bigot and a backwards conservative like how dare you try to stop this progress this wonderful progress we're making as human species and then once they sort of get their hooks in once they establish these things it becomes that much more difficult to reverse it i I mean if you really think about it this never should have got started i mean any responsible adult ever if they're told like a little kid is like actually i think i'm a boy actually i think i'm a girl like you would never – no reasonable person would ever go, all right, well, shoot, get on the table. Let's you know, start the laughing gas. Let's, let's get to cutting. Like it just – it makes no sense. So it's not that like the right wing is suddenly like going after transgender people. It's that this ideology that never should have even gotten started in the first place has insinuated itself into our you know, various networks, hospitals, academia, all these sorts of things. And now we have to try to root it out. But it should have never got started in the first place. And if we knew what was going on and stopped it from ha- from ever coming about, then it wouldn't take the effort that it's now going to take to disentangle legitimate institutions from this pervasive lie. 
We'll go to another clip from this documentary, taking your phone calls in the next segment. Clip number 22, shocking that vulnerable children were, quote, motored through sex change operations at Tavistock. Let's watch. Generation of children preyed upon, betrayed by those sworn to protect them. The most important thing was that children were being uh, diagnosed as being trans very quickly without any proper investigation, without taking the kind of lengthy form of detailed understanding that was part of the Tavistock tradition. In other words, being motored through. Technically, it's four to six appointments over six months, but in fact, some were being motored through after only one or two appointments. No turning back, streaming now, newest documentary about Tavistock and It's the fourth coin that we've released in the last year, and I believe the most powerful, the man in the arena coin, Teddy Roosevelt. Citizen of a republic, the man in the arena. There's only 10,000 of this coin in existence in the world. It will never be made again. And it's not just an amazing historic coin. It funds the information war against the globalist. This is something you want to hand down to your grandchildren. This is something you want to own. And as a fundraiser, it is funding the information war against the globalist. Ladies and gentlemen, 10,000 coins are available. They'll sell out very quickly. Please be part of history. And thank you all for your support. You can go to 1776coin.com or you can go to patriotcollectibles.com and secure this coin. There's only 10,000 of this coin in existence and it funds the info war. Man in the Arena coin, Teddy Roosevelt, 1776coin.com. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Go directly out to your phone calls now. Look for a name I don't recognize. I don't recognize David in Austin. Oh, wait, you were on. No, let's go, David and Austin. Uh, David and Austin, line number five. Thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Hey, thanks. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Cool. Yeah. So um, on Wednesday, there was a couple of people that called in, uh, one on your show and one on Alex's, that said they took dropperfuls of X2. And I just wanted to let the audience know that uh, the dosage for X2 is one drop. Uh, yes. But. 
<laughs> Thank you for that. I, I, I noticed that actually, and I, I, I did mention it because I figured, you know, it was just – uh, you know, the way he was uh, phrasing it, we had a caller that was like, I take a dropper of uh, brain force and dropper of X2. And you're right. A dropper is way too much X2. You only need a drop, maybe two. But I think the, you know, just read the label, make sure you're only taking the prescribed amount or the, you know, suggested amount you put in a, uh, in a glass of water and drink it is the right way to do it. Uh, but thank you for pointing that out, David, because you're right. I heard that too. Do not take a dropper full of X2. It's too much. It's too powerful. All right. Uh, thank you. I love your show. And um, I am a former liberal. And I think that these people are very uh, reachable. You know, if you if you take the angle of, hey, the people involved in the Iraq war, Project for a New American Century, right. are the same people, you know, involved in this whole Ukraine thing, you know, and it, and it started out in 2014. I first caught wind of it uh, reading Stephen F. Cohen of The Nation. Um, mm. Anyway, and and then pointing out things like the uh, um, the people who war gamed the uh, election fraud, uh, the Transition Integrity Project. You know, the, the person who founded that was the co-founder of PNAC. Right. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, you really should play um, you know off the history to get the cognitive dissonance uh, of liberals uh, more activated. So and I think that. Uh, you know, maybe even the people uh, monitoring the show are accessible that way. So, you know, I was, wondering, I was wondering about that yesterday. I was driving around and I was thinking about it must be it, like it must be hard for people like Media Matters and others. Like you really have to find somebody who is psychologically captured to the fullest extent where they are ideological like robots. Because if you're going to have somebody sit here and watch Infowars and try to come up with why we're bad people, like they're just going to sit here and watch nine hours, ten hours a day of us just like telling the truth and being upfront about everything. Like they have to hate us on like a on like an existential level. Like it's got to be in their bones or else otherwise they would have to see what we really talk about and not do what they're doing, which is – you know, framing us as racist, racist, anti-Semite, Mossad agent, you know, whatever schizophrenic thing they like to call us. But uh, I think you're exactly right, David. That's, you know, that was, the, that was the first game of, you know, Wikipedia leapfrog that I played. I just went to the lockstep document author, Peter Schwartz, Global Business Network. He was a partner with uh, Mark Benioff, you go Mark Benioff, Klaus Schwab, and I was just jumping around, and PNAC was like kind of at the center of that project for a new American century. There was also the uh, CNAC. I can't remember exactly what it stands for now. But uh, right. That stands for a Center for a New American Security. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, CNAS, yeah, yeah, New American Security, you're right. And that was when I f- you know, found out about, uh, I think it's called FM, it's Field Manual 325 or something, but it was the publication that was written by CNAS and PNAC that changed counterinsurgency to something rather than something to achieve a goal and then get out. It was like that's why we have perpetual war now is because of this change in the field manual operation. FM32 is what it was called, and that was written by the PNAC and CNAS guys. That's why we were in Afghanistan and Iraq gaining nothing for years and years and years because they changed their counterinsurgency tactics 
to where you could never achieve your goal and you were just going to be stuck there forever. It's what got us into this quagmire. But yeah, you just go around, start, you know, go to Transition Integrity Project. Just start clicking on names. Go to Wikipedia for Transition Integrity Project. Start clicking on names and see the network build in your own mind and then make an infographic and share it with us so we can get it out there to everyone. That's how you change people's minds. Hopefully, hey, we, we, David's mind got changed at some point. So there's hope for, there's hope for people out there, self-described liberals, heck, yeah. even such as myself, yeah. I, you know, I, I was, uh, um, I, back in early 2000s, I still consumed only alternative media, you know, like Democracy Now!, Flashpoints, sure. free, free speech radio news, uh, which must be right wing now. And uh, so, I, you know, that's when I first started seeing who the players were. But uh, yeah, it's, it's in uh, 2014 when they pivoted that it was like, wow, that was so easy for them to do. Right. No, I, heck, I used to watch, like back in, in like, college days like 2008 9 10 uh i would go to infowars and the young turks to find the truth because the young turks were anti-establishment and would say a lot of the same 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 things that infowars did it's just infowars had a a foundation grounded in a in a solid ideology that we've stuck to this whole time whereas the left wing has just gone off the rails and is completely captured by the corporate interest by this point it's very sad to see thank you so much for the call david i do want to get to some more callers here we have ben in virginia who wants to talk about the aftermath of a nuke attack you should also have your x2 ready for that thanks for calling in ben you're on the air hey how you doing harrison good Good to good to talk to you again i don't get to talk very much now that i'm working all the time well good to hear from you what's on your mind um, so I was just thinking about, imagine if there was threats of nuclear war going around, which there are clearly right now, but imagine if we get to the point where one of our political leaders is actually going to decide to put their hand and threaten to wave the button, and it goes viral. And imagine like all the people on left and right getting together and actually potentially maybe agreeing on something, and it ends a lot of conflict between us. What would you think about that? Oh, I'm telling you, this is this has been my idea for a long time. I mean, I've said it before. I think one of the primary reasons why they need the two-party system is because both parties are in favor of war. And why any group like a libertarian group isn't going to make it is because of war. They want war. Both groups can disagree on everything, but they all agree when it comes – Time for war. They all agree that those missiles are beautiful flying into Syria, and we have to do something to stop the violence in Timbuktu or wherever else they, they want to deploy people. I think, I think that would be the most successful third party in American history, just the anti-war party. It's like, are you liberal? Or are you conservative? It's like, well, we vary, but the one thing we all agree on is no war. We don't want war. We want to do everything we can to prevent war. I think, that, I think that would be hugely successful. I think you could have uh, liberals and conservatives both going, hey, we might disagree on, on abortion. We might want to draw the line to somewhere else when it comes to uh, crime and that sort of stuff. But if we can just avoid full-scale annihilation of human beings across the world, that's a pretty good place to start. I think that could be a thing that Absolutely. unites us. Hey, Harrison, I got one other thing I wanted to talk to you about too. Go ahead. So my new job, uh, I do work on missiles, funny enough that we're talking about that right now. And I just want to say the government has to meet a quota every so often to get rid of how many missiles they have because they don't want to keep old inventory for too long. So just a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's the sad thing. A a lot of my friends that are just about all of them, actually, everybody I know that's in like and I'm. 
I got I got some pretty smart friends, folks, there in like rocket engineering and stuff. Every single one of them works for a defense contractor. Every single one of them. I mean, except for like yeah, that's SpaceX. What I do right now. Yeah, like what what else are you going to do? I mean, that's where the money is. That's where all of the money is. Everything that's not weaponry <laughs> is manufactured elsewhere. It's the only thing we have left is manufacturing missiles and then creating the conflict so we can sell the missiles. I mean, it's a it's, it's a very efficient and effective uh, business plan, I guess you could say. It's just not a great plan for existence. Thanks so much for that call, exactly. Ben. Great stuff. Let's go to Nathaniel in Rhode Island. Nathaniel, it says you were arrested yesterday. Am I reading that right? That's uh, that's right. I, I was arrested. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. Before I, before I say that, I, I just want to go like this real quick. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because your name's Harry's son. So, you know, George Harrison, the Beatles. Okay, but <laughs> anyways, right. yeah. Yeah, um, I was I was arrested yesterday in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Um, it was really uh, a travesty. Um, the dem- the demo rats here in um, demo rat majority states they trample all over the Constitution. So I'm a street preacher. I, I walk around with a Jesus sign, and I was in a place called Portsmouth. Uh, I was preaching near a gas station, and. Uh, Somebody was, like, uh, trying to say that I'm crazy, so I called him an old fool. And then some lady, some overweight lady who worked at the gas station, um, she called the cops on me, so I called her a fat, stupid itch, uh, I-T-C- I-T-C-H. And um, I've been street preaching that's for some not, that's time. That's not very Christian of you, Nathaniel. <laughs> well, we can, we can discuss that later. But, you can't uh, be Lord yelling willing, but... at people on the street. <laughs> But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Quickly. um, I'm used to cops showing up and and talking to me. Hold on. We got to go to break, Nathaniel. I'm sorry. We'll be back with the third hour of American Journal. Stay with us. The biggest sale of 2022 is now live. It's only running in the last week of September and the first week of October. Dozens of our best-selling products are finally back in stock, and they're 40 to 50% off across the board. And the most important of them all is Survival Shield X3. All three types of the very best iodine documented to not just boost your libido, your stamina, your health, your energy, your cells, your immune system, but to overall give you more energy. It's the foundation of everything from energy to fertility. X3, 50% off, is finally back in stock exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. You've heard the callers. You've seen the rave reviews. Now experience X3 for yourself exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com, 50% off. And while you're there, check out some of the other great products that are finally back in stock and massively discounted as well. Part of the Store Super Sale running for two weeks only. Again, X3 back in stock, 50% off. 